Hello, Chomp Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp, and a podcast where if you listen long enough, you will be transported to a world full of light and love. People are on every corner playing their Nintendo Switches and celebrating inclusivity together. You walk down the street and knock on your friend's house. You are greeted by a man hastily motioning for you to come in. He runs back to his TV and grabs his controller. You enter the room and see seven people, all playing a first-person shooter on their own TV screens, yelling at each other. The game finishes as you get your own TV and console set up. Someone says that you should all switch to a new game, so you grab the game case, take the game out of the system, put it in the case, grab another game case, take that game out, and put the new game into the console. You all play until 6 in the morning. You trudge home exhausted, but happy. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for checking out the show. We love getting to meet new people. If you could help us out by hitting the subscribe button, it would help us out a ton as we are pushing to hit 10,000 concurrent subscribers, and we are so close to that mark. This week, we are going to be discussing the topic of aspects of gaming that we participated in in the past that now feel antiquated or outdated. That includes the good, the bad, and everything in between. We are also going to be talking about some games, such as Skyward Sword HD Remaster, Pokemon Unite, Ender Lilies, Death's Door, Tohu, and Veneneth. Last, as is customary here, we reveal the results of our social media polls that you voted on, which you can do every Tuesday at the Sword Chomp Instagram. But before we get into the show, just a few quick reminders. If you head over to SwordChomp.com, you can get access to a lot more content from us like more podcasts, articles that we write, merch, and a Patreon. The Patreon is especially important to us as we work hard to provide additional content for our patrons, and you help us tremendously as we are completely and 100% listener-funded. Any money that you choose to donate goes right back into the show. Speaking of that, Usually we do our Patreon shoutouts at the end of the show, but I wanted to switch things up this week and do them at the beginning of the show. So I want to say a massive thank you to all of our supporters, Ivan, Bernadette, Jonathan, Beefy Gamers, Corin Space, Eric, Josh, Justin, Jay Holbro, Paul, Cy, The Zalbi, Tawny, Amber, and Fletch. Thank you all so much for making what we do possible. We love and appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, we have one more quick announcement before we get into the show. We will be taking next week off to recharge. Uh, There will be no Chompcast next week, but we will be back in the first week of August with our 250th episode. 250 is such a mind-boggling number to me when I think about how long we've been doing this. But at the same time, it feels right. It feels right somehow. But we're going to be doing some exciting and special things. The hype is real. So, now, 
let's get into the show and let's get into some of the, of the intros. So that way I can introduce you to the voices you're going to be listening to today. First, I am joined by the editor here who has been hard at work. Hard at work. Um, I'm joined by the turgid trooper, Mr. Rich Meister. Rich, how are you doing today? Yeah, that's, I'm doing good. I'm hard at work. Like they always, like I always get called into <laughs> HR for, uh, it's, isn't it crazy that I've been on all 250 episodes of this show? Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane. I can't believe you've been <laughs> here for, you know, practically since the beginning, since it's 2016, insane. you've been here. Yeah, it's wild. It truly is. It truly is. How was your week though? We didn't really talk much this week. Uh, we've both been pretty uh, busy. Yeah, it's a blur, man. Um, I have not been up to much, is what I can say, definitively. Um, mm. Slow week. Slow, Games but busy and week. Games, crying, uh, excessive masturbation, normal stuff. Well, hard at work. It checks out. I thought so. I thought it checked out. Well, I'm glad you're here, Rich. We're get, we have a lot of games to talk about, so I wanted to kind of keep the intro shorter this week because I think we're going to be pretty busy today. It's going to be a big show. I'm expecting big things, which is uh, unfortunately what all of my past girlfriends have said and uh, have left me. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm also <laughs> I'm also joined by the audio. <laughs> I'm joined by the audio engineer and the indie expert, a man who used to make spice his bitch, but now scowls at the word ghost pepper. Please welcome Mr. Josh Fowler. Josh, how are you this week? I am pretty good. Pretty good, but like like you're saying, I have uh in the last uh last year or so I have been dealing with some IBS just kind of in general. And it has uh, taken the fun out of half of eating spicy foods. Um, well, I in mean, a lot that, of ways, like irritable bitch sy- syndrome is really difficult to deal with. I mean, this past year has really brought out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. That's irate botanist scandal. <laughs> it's only I a mean, scandal yeah. if you choose to view it that way. I guess that's true. I'm really the one painting the picture in the end. That's really irresponsible of me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be when you said spice? I thought you were talking about Dune. Yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy if that's what the federal government called the war on drugs? The irate botanist scandal. Because botanists are so up in arms over over this. I can't have these people smoking trees. Smoking that. It's wrong, brother. (laughs) Listen, I come to study these plants. They're alive. They have some kind of emotion of some sort in their own plant way, man. I can't be having you harvest and smoke them, bro. Mm. <sighs> yeah, it just it goes against what were you smoking? everything I believe in, in this, as a botanist, man. What is this character? I don't know. Mm. It's, the, it's the high botanist who doesn't want other people to get high because he just wants to smoke all the weed for himself. He does it for science. Oh, I gotta, man. I gotta do this research, bro. Like, why? why? Bro. <laughs> bro. Oh, fuck, man! I was gonna shower, you, but then do, I got why high. Do you th- why do you think all uh, botanists are from Venice Beach? <laughs> good, uh, good point. I mean, I when I was studying at college, I mean, I I had a lot of botanist friends, and uh, 
Actually, some of them very much acted like they were from Venice Beach. I'm not going to lie. I had some I remember... botanist friends, too. They were all <laughs> about those plants. Yeah. No, I remember this one time I was walking on campus, and I had uh, I'd gotten the great idea to try and bring hemp necklaces back, and this was back in 2015. And uh, I, was, I had made one, and I was wearing it around. Ooh. This guy's like, and he, he's a guy I was in biology classes with. He was actually going for uh, botany himself, and he's like, Dude, sweet necklace. And I was like, all right. Me. You ever smoke that necklace? I'm I'm (laughs) honestly kind of impressed because that was people tried to bring that back ten years prior to that. Because I I remember having one of those in like two thousand five and it it didn't really catch on then either. But you get a big shark tooth at the end of it? Well, I mean, I don't know how else you were able to find them. Have you ever seen yes, one yeah, without a big shark they, tooth on the end? That's just how they came. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's like a naturally occurring part of the hemp. I actually, that was actually really, well, no, that was actually how they moved so them. That. <laughs> it was all secret <laughs> drug trade <laughs> and shark tooth necklaces. That's 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 the whole the whole ring right there. It's not about shark fins. It's about shark teeth for this. Well, no, ironically, uh, no, ironically enough, it was about the shark teeth because <laughs> this guy just came into all these shark teeth and he couldn't sell them on his own. So he had to partner with his buddy who had too much hemp. Mm-hmm. And the shark tooth necklace <laughs> industry was born. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Checks out. No, I mean, like back in 2008, 2009, I got really into doing it. Like or 2007, 2008, excuse me. I got really into it, and I used to be able to make hemp necklaces, and I made a bunch. Um, Chokers. <laughs> dude, I, I loved it. I don't know why. I, was, I love the process of going to find, out, find like unique beads, and then like just the I'm process. I'm glad we didn't of, meet like, then. We would not have been friends. <laughs> I don't know why I was so into it at the time. Like I even had these like coveted beads. Like I was like, I'm not sure which necklaces are going to go for. Which beads are going to go Who with was what? Coveted? Who Were you the one coveting them? Who else was? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I really got into it. I really did. So, it was a thing. It was a thing. But um, not any longer. Unfortunately. But all anyways, um, <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Josh. Uh, IBS and all. Mm-hmm. And last, I am the host who can dunk a basketball. On a little tyke's hoop. They call me Mr. Right Swiper. I'm Shay Layton. And I'm going to be your host today. Somehow. Some way. I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring you the content you guys have been craving oh so much. But um, let's get into the topic of the show. So this is one that we kind of stored away for a while. Um, and it's something that just... I think it kind of made sense with this week in some ways... Uh, We'll be kind of tying some current events to some degrees, or at least I will to the topic. But I was thinking when I originally put this topic in our Trello, I was thinking about um, just there are a lot of things that have happened in gaming within the past few generations, even, or even in the past generation, where we like there are these actions that we did, or there are these um, behaviors that we would perform to play a game and now it just it feels so outdated and it's like wow this is stuff that we actually used to do and it this topic kind of was born from i can't remember the specific topic that we had but we were talking on the Chompcast many many episodes ago and i was thinking about what we were talking about i was like man 
we used to do that, didn't we? And then I just popped that in the Trello. So I kind of wanted to discuss this. It is is kind of like, again, it's a nostalgia kind of thing, but it's also kind of cool to look back and think about, wow, there were these aspects of gaming that we did that were just normal for us. And now we don't even like, like racism, don't do any of that anymore. So um, I wanted to open you up know, the floor first. This, this, this has been in, this has been on our group for a long time, but it, it's not until tonight that I realized how much older I am than you too. And, uh, really? and how just painful this is going to be for me. Like it didn't dawn on me until just now. And uh, yeah. Strap in. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I, well, you can feel like a has been all episode mm-hmm. long then. And I will feel like a will be? Is that how the grammar no, works? No, you've, you've, you've been. I've been. I have been. It's... Josh is just a hazard bin. <laughs> Y'all hazard bins. Um, but uh, one of the things I like... The, one of the are ideas adorable, this... though. <laughs> one of the more it's recent ones I figured would be kind of a... It's like... It bridges a gap between the younger generations and some of the older generations. like. For example, my little brothers, they're 14 and 17, and like they, they did this. And so it's bridging the gap, I think, is when we played the Xbox 360 or we played the Wii, um, we had little characters, right? Um, we had the Xbox avatars or we had the Miis, and you could customize their attire. You could customize their clothing, and you would spend money trying to get the most unique outfit um, that didn't look anything like your friends. And it got so it got so excessive that you could actually buy certain animated items. Um, my character, or my, my uh, Xbox avatar, I ended up buying him uh, one of the dragons from Skyrim. And it would fly around my avatar. And that, like, we would spend hours customizing those things. Just because we wanted them to look unique. And then you could take these pictures of your avatar... And then you could put, you could set that as your gamer picture. Like it was such, it was, it was like a second life kind of scenario where you just really went at customizing this fictitious cartoon version of yourself and, you know, putting all these various things. I ended up buying a Star Trek Borg outfit as well. I remember doing that because of course I love Star Trek. So that, that's one of those things that like, when I think about this topic is like, I could I couldn't imagine doing that now. Like not be not necessarily because I wouldn't want to spend the time. It's because like gaming has kind of moved beyond that. That was a fun moment in time for gaming, but it's come and gone at this point. So yeah, I couldn't imagine them trying to go back to that. I I, I could imagine them going back to it. I don't think it would hit with us. I don't think it would hit our age bracket because that was never what it was targeted at. Um, it was targeted at us in those days, and I never, I never actually put a ton of money into that stuff. What I did appreciate was when they started, and this was like later in the 360 cycle, they started tying certain items to achievements in games. Um, yep. Like I remember mm-hmm. Bioshock Two, I got a big sister outfit um, for my avatar for getting uh, every achievement in Bioshock Two, uh, and that was pretty cool. Like those ones were cool because they those are more less of like a, I. Gave them eight dollars and more of like a hey, I did every fucking thing in this game, and now this is like a fucking status symbol. I mean, like yeah, it was a status symbol, but it was also like further reasons for doing achievements. Like 
Now we yeah, yeah. largely do, we largely do achievements just for the accomplishment and for showing off for the dopamine. But, yeah, that too. But at the time, I mean, those were all reasons. But on top of that, part of the reason as well was you had the chance of getting free stuff for your Xbox avatar back in the day, which was pretty cool. Yeah, but, yeah. I think it all surrounds into that for you, like people to look at your avatar and people know, oh, he did that thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that was my example. It was a very simple answer. Um, I just wanted to give an idea that that way, in case you guys were kind of trying to think of some random ideas or you guys didn't have anything on the top of your head that that would hopefully jog your ideas, like get your brain moving, get those brain juices flowing. So, yeah. Which ones do you guys have? I have one very specific one I wanted to bring up. Okay. Um which was, this would have been probably when I was in middle school, early high school, maybe. Um, and I'm sure places like this still exist. And it, it's sort of like a, an expulsion on the land party idea, which was going to be one of the things I was going to mention. Um, but there used to be a location on Long Island called Parallax, uh, which was sort of, it was like an internet cafe with consoles and gaming PCs where you could rent time by the hour. Um, but some of the most fun I've ever had there, and I might have mentioned this on the show before, I can never, I can never remember, is they would do overnight lock-ins, where a bunch of us would mm. go, and we would be locked in from, like, 9 p.m. to, like, uh, 7 a.m. the next day, uh, and just playing whatever the fuck we wanted all goddamn night, uh, like, we were legitimately locked into the building, like, you could open it to get out, but if you got out, you couldn't get back in. So I mm-hmm. have, like, very vivid memories of being there with a couple of friends and stuff, and one person would hold the door open while three other people ran to the Seven Eleven across the street at, like, 2 in the morning, and, like, I don't think that culture itself of gaming is gone, but you don't see that anymore, like, places doing shit like that to just be like, my parents don't want me being a schlep at my house with eight of my friends, but we can go to this private building and pay them $40 a person to just lock us in here all night. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of miss that. Like, um, it, and it kind of ties into, like, arcades, too, as well, in some way, shape, or form, you know? Like, just the idea of going to a different place to play video games outside of Japan is kind of, it's gone. It's gone at this point. Um, well, there, it's there kind are of an uptick, places, actually. They're there are random places that do it, like Dave and Buster's does it. And um, one of our patrons, Eric, he often sends us or sends me uh, pictures of him going to the, this barcade uh, over in Texas. There's a specific barcade. There are a few places that do it, but I mean, on average, that concept's pretty foreign nowadays. I think that concept is, is back on the, uh, the uptick, actually, weirdly enough, in recent years. Um, there's a place not far from me, which is a pretty big franchise of this place. That's kind of more on the, like Dave and Buster's end round one, but it is a foreign company. So there's a lot more Japanese stuff there. Did you say um, round one? Yeah. That's very, uh, very popular here. That's extremely yeah, popular here. That's like, no, they have Japanese style fighting game cabinets in this place. And it is 10 minutes from my house. Like, you, you know, they- you obviously know what I'm talking about, Shay, where like, in, in Japan, like, fighting game cabinets are not stand-up cabinets. They're two separate monitors back-to-back yeah. uh, because the culture is very different there in terms of, like, people facing each other to play games and stuff. Like, there's a lot of Japanese cabinets at this place. Also, obviously, in, in Manhattan, 
we have Barcade, like the properly branded Barcade, which is kind of a different thing, but also really fun. Um, yeah, I have a question about round one before you keep sure. going. So round one in Japan is obviously they have like an arcade section, but it's like a multi-story building. Yes, that they here will have too. All sorts of sports and stuff. It's the same there. It is. The one we have here is not all sorts of sports, but it is a huge arcade, it is a bowling alley, and it is karaoke. Okay, wow. Yeah, so the one, the one I've been to, I've been to a few of them here. One of the ones that I, I really enjoyed, they had a roller skating rink. They, um, you could do roller skating at certain times. You could do these other like various um, motorized ve- vehicle toy kind of things that you would ride on. Um, they had section like they had like a water section. They had the top mm. floor. You could play all sorts of sports. You could do archery. You could do three on three basketball. You could do volleyball. That's even cooler. Battle. I want that. Um, you could do table tennis. You could do um, you could do all sorts of sports. You have an arcade section. They had a pool section where you could play billiards or pool or whatever. They had a section where um, we do have that as well. You could ride a mechanical bull. Yours sounds so much cooler. Oh, Dude, like, yeah. we, it's, ours is cool, it's and awesome. it's it's a huge building. Like I said, a huge arcade, a uh, big bowling alley, uh, karaoke, and pool tables, and and it is Japanese style karaoke, like the the kind I prefer. That's what I was just gonna ask. Is it Japanese style karaoke? Yeah, uh, which Dope. I will never forget. Uh, I went there for a friend of mine for her birthday. This is probably like two or three years ago. Uh, and my friend Vinny and I are walking out of our karaoke room to go get beers and the door next to us is cracked open and we hear and we both look at each other like am I hearing what I think we're hearing and we look in and there's just a bunch of Japanese teenagers singing the theme to Neon Genesis Evangelion (laughs) (laughs) that's dope dude Uh... that's dope yeah I like it's probably really cool for Japanese people who live in America to find those kind of places like it's cool for me here to like find various american influenced or american style places as well like KFC, yeah that would make my sense place in japan just kidding they love it but, there um, too man <laughs> no like arcades is another big one though man like i i remember saving up my little bit of allowance from doing chores and then i would be like hey can i go to this arcade um soon and then my parents would take me when they, of course, they had time and when I had enough money saved up. And you just have all these quarters and you're dumping them in the machines. Hell and yeah, man. I really miss that as well. Like just that simple experience. Obviously, I can do it here in Japan. Um, it's much more expensive. It's like a dollar now <laughs> instead of 25 Well, cents. yeah, that's just with the times. You know, what's funny is I think I just, you know, maybe it was right place, right time for me as a kid. Because when I was like 10, there were no less than four arcades within walking distance of my house. Yeah. Lucky you, man. Yeah, like, those times have largely uh, disappeared, but like you said, they might be coming back, which I hope they will. I, I do think in the form of places like Round 1, they, they are back on the upswing in the U.S., and then the, the yeah, barcade having, scene on top a, of that. Having a simple arcade, I think, doesn't make sense for 2021, but having, like, a megaplex where you can do a bunch of stuff that makes a lot more sense where you can, you know, play game. Like I described the Japanese round one. That makes more sense. Or having like, and this was the place we had in Great Falls until people fucking ruined it. We had go-karts outside, massive arcade, and then we also had laser tag attached to that as well. Like 
I miss those kinds of places. And those then people started doing making like meth multi, there. <laughs> multifunctional. So mm-hmm. yeah. But Josh, um, we Rich and I have been talking a lot. Let, let's open the floor to you. Like when you heard this topic, what's something that you thought about? Um, say shareware. Yeah, a lot of shareware. Uh, but like, but we'll, we'll start with the shareware, and we'll actually I'll go backwards from there. But cool. uh, yeah, yeah, I did a lot of shareware, and I remember playing. Prince of Persia for uh I don't remember exactly one of the performer max at at the time and uh mm. I did not have the manual for that and after the second I think it was the second it was either the second or third level in that there would be a section that was the shareware DRM section um and you'd have to drink a potion it would tell you a you know, a page and a paragraph to to go find the uh, the letter for the potion you're supposed to drink right here. And uh, if you get it wrong, you just died. If you start the game over, and I played that game so many times, um, you just figured it out. Well, no, no, I like it was like they had a big enough number to not figure it out, but the number of options they gave you to choose from was like eight, I think. So it was it was a low enough number that even completely guessing you'd get it right often enough that uh yeah I I I ended up beating that game just on the you know like the one in 8 chances that I'd get through the DRM on that thing back You in showed the day. those developers. Mhm. Sure showed them. I'm like I like whatever. Like I I think I think Jordan Mechner forgives me cuz I bought like a million of his other games and you also know, his, his I... book so like, I hear he did all right for himself. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the DRM for a lot of those was a lot of times you'd get uh like a photocopied binder of the manual or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you know, things stapled together if you were uh you know doing it that way. Um and the only way to do it. Yeah, not not calling them for a copy of it. Um yeah, that was an interesting way to do it. We kind of we brought this up a little bit on like the demo section, but yeah, it was it used to be just send the whole game because it's easier just to have the whole game and then you need some sort of outside knowledge to get past a section than to make a different executable for a uh, for a demo. It's just more work for them to actually make a, a means of distributing it. Like, yeah. granted, I get, I get it. That made more sense in terms of how they were designing stuff. Like, if I'm, I, yep. I know for, I know, I know you have Josh read Masters of Doom. Like when they talk about like when they were putting out parts of the game, the rest of the game was not done. Like everything yeah. that was on that first shareware disc was like, what? Here's what's finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's there is such a cool culture with all those games and like going to, um you know, electronics fair or whatever, and just walking out with just a stack of floppies with different shareware on it. Uh, and, or, you know, just like going to see friends and like making a copy of something so they can play it. And, and, and a lot of those situations, if you were, you know, kind of not super wealthy, you ended up just guessing on the DRM a lot of the time and just kind of, you know, figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the closest I would have ever gotten to that feeling because I was too young to like experience that myself 
was like the first time I started going to shows as a journalist and just leaving every booth with a flash drive full of like demos and assets that a developer gave me. And I'm like, I'm going to go back mm. to my hotel room and try all these things. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know why that reminded me, but that reminds me of Game Sharks. You guys remember using those oh, back yeah. in the day? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with the Game- very specific Monster Brain? No. no. That was a Game Shark like device that was only for Pokemon um, that you would plug into your GBA. And the way the Monster Brain worked was you would select a Pokemon, select what level you wanted it to be, and what moves you wanted it to know, and it would generate it. And you could break every rule about what moves a Pokemon could know. <laughs> and it was sick. really cool. <laughs> that makes That sounds really cool. Yeah, that's cool. That makes sense because I know, th- like, you could inject code into that game easily enough. Like with the missing though stuff is like yeah, and there was a get device very the specifically wanted you to, but yeah, it sounds like somebody just that. made a thing specifically to do that without you having to walk around and talk to the right people the way people had figured out within the game to do it. That's cool. It was one of those right. things that were in a, the name had stuck in my head for so long, and I like one day I was like, did I imagine that thing? And then I looked it up, and it was very real. And I was That's like, cool. oh, cool. I kind of want to buy one. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Do you get so Game Sharks? I I vaguely remember I was never allowed to get one. Can you explain it in greater detail what it is, Rich? A Game Shark? Just in general, what a Game Shark is? Yeah. Yeah, like a Game Shark or a Game Genie uh, was basically a device that would plug into your console and then the cart would plug in on top of that in different forms once they had them for like the PlayStation and stuff like that. But basically, it was like a physical cheat engine that was loaded with codes and stuff that you can use to circumvent and alter the game. Um, they, they were cool little fucking devices that uh, I want to say started to disappear for the most part around like the PS2 era. There definitely was Game Sharks during that time, but they were doing less and less. Yeah, there were less games that had those as options. in uh, and, and the ones that did, like people knew what the codes were. Um, a lot of a lot of the stuff was essentially just a database of how you could insert code in some cases, like you say with the monster brain, and in other cases it was just oh we we know the the input sequence you need to to use in order to get to like this developer mode or whatever um that they just you know they were able to save that in the storage on this machine, and then you could just pull, pull it up. Um, once mm. the game was in there, so yeah, yeah, and it was it was such a weird device that like I couldn't even imagine having to do that now, or just codes in general. Like there are some games that kind of harken back to those days and are a little bit cheeky by putting in codes into their games, but for the most part, like, and we talked about this I very recently. Codes were like a a cool thing that like you'd relay to your friends like oh i heard about this code or i read about this code in this in this uh this book or this magazine like i used to have this old code book that i found at a garage sale that would tell me all the cheat codes for the first mortal Kombat for the sega genesis and Mm so um i kept it just for that reason alone if you uh if you are really kind of longing for the days of of the game shark the game genie and uh just just need to get that fixed for yourself 
you can always go edit the uh, the any files for uh, for something in Windows and and tell it to do something different when it starts up if you really want to. You can make stuff happen. That, it's <laughs> a lot more work, but it you can make stuff work. happen. It is more work, but uh, but it's still it's still doable. And uh, yeah, yeah, editing files is still a thing we do on PC. As if, it turns out, if they if they don't give us the options we want, it's called modding. Mm-hmm. And they call it a mine. A, a mine. mine! <laughs> and Thank that- you. Granted, that's from Lord of the Rings, but that's an inside joke that Rich brought me into on In- the Chomping After Dark. Huh. There's a reason for it. There's there's a, a yeah, there's a... It, if you in, listen inside, to that Chomping... Inside joke that, you know... In, inside of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you listen to that podcast when it comes out, you'll have some context for that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Exactly. I did that today but, at work, um, actually, Shane. <laughs> but one of the ones that i wanted to bring up that is more seriously i had alluded to in the intro we're also going to be addressing some more current and recent stuff obviously um this one is not as fun and is not as nostalgic but it's very important Uh, obviously the recent news about activision and blizzard have come out about their work environment and kind of the hellscape it is to work there and so one of the things that i think uh, belongs on this list, and I know some people are going to feel like I'm trying to insert SJW shit and whatnot, but you can eat my ass, um, is that we used to not hold video game companies accountable um, back in the day, and we used to not report as heavily, on not specifically us, but just in general in the gaming communities and gaming yeah. world, that we used to not report on that as heavily, and we used to not hold those, those companies accountable. And um, it's Some would say we still don't. Over the past few years, I think it, uh, the first big one that I've noticed, um, that or I've taken notice to, was uh, EA with all of their loot boxing and their their gambling in Star Wars Battlefront Two. I think that was the first big one where a company was held accountable, and I think that's been happening more and more over the past few years. And uh, I think this is going to be a prime example of going forward something that's outdated and antiquated was us kind of just being with our heads in the clouds because I'm here to just enjoy games. And I don't think that's the case anymore. You know, I think gaming is here to stay. It's such a bigger thing now than it was 10, 20 years ago that, (laughs) you know, communities are forged here. Relationships are built. um, Livelihoods are made from gaming now that it's so much more important that game gaming companies and gaming developers have some kind of integrity, um, whether it's on the surface or it's as a whole, and that that's kind of coming out. And on top of that, I think um, a, a sub or a branch off of that is a lack of inclusivity in gaming, I think is something that was kind of outdated and antiquated. Like it's something that I'm sure all of us, the three of us here participated at some point when we were much younger. It's like, Oh, girls don't play video games. (laughs) It's only guys. I mean, guys are much better at video games. And I think that's like, I'm, I'm sure like, I I can't think of a specific instance, but if I were to go back into my history, I'm sure I, if I got hypnotized, some like hypnotist could pull up sometime where I said some bullshit like that. But, um, don't yeah, worry, like, 
<laughs> Sorry, my face didn't translate. That was a very confusing statement. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, like that, I, I think, is, is a, a young boy's attitude that we're doing our best to get rid of, which is why anytime I now hear my nephew like mention something like that, I'll be like, you just think that because girls don't talk to you. So my <laughs> recipe is to make him feel like a loser. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. But no, like, uh, in, in the working environment, too, like, not, well, because we're a gaming site, that's kind of what we're referencing here, but translated to other places, too, like, people, whether it's women, whether it's LGBTQ people, whether it's minorities, whether it's all of the above, not feeling inclusive in the gaming communities, in gaming work workplaces, environments, all of that, like, that shit's stopping. Like, that shit's going to stop going forward. Like, you have the vocal minority who are on Twitter, who are on Twitch trolling and being pricks and, you know, that kind of shit. But, like, they're going to be drowned out at some point. Because, like... Or just drowned. Things are going to keep moving. That's a solution, too. And, and beyond... I think it goes beyond inclusivity because so many people just want to use it as a mouthpiece to be like, oh, we have women working here. We have people of color working here. We have, you know, people of whatever you know every sexual orientation working here and it's not just about like having those people it's about not just using them as your mouthpiece to shut the rest of the world up and giving yeah. like real opportunities to these people who have something to bring to the table right exactly exactly i mean yeah um we we've done a few episodes on this obviously and so we don't need to get as in depth as we did during those episodes we did an episode on black representation we did a an episode on LGBTQ representation in gaming. And I think both of those episodes that we've done this year have some good conversation that kind of ties into this. But just in general, holding companies accountable is something that we are going to be doing that we didn't really do in the past. And that's outdated and antiquated. Um, a lack We're of coming for you, Arby's. And creating communities that are welcoming to all kinds of people like that's like not doing that outdated and antiquated like that's going forward that's going to be the future whether or not um certain groups of people feel like it's not going to be the case and i'm not going to name those here because i'm not trying to you know i i'm not trying to make anybody as should i get rid of my list then i'm sure you could find people from any groups pulling that kind of behavior so he made a limerick um, i feel like i've wasted my afternoon now (laughs) yeah damn it no, but like that Your diary. That's Shay wouldn't read like, me lead, let me read my racist limerick on the podcast. Don't. Don't. Um No, that's one of the ways like or the way that I wanted to kind of address something that's like really happening and it's really big uh in the gaming sphere right now. And also it was kind of topical in terms of what we were going to be talking about, but um I didn't tell you guys this YouTube, but I made a big post about it on Instagram and I framed it as it was my exclusively my own opinion and um basically talking about how what happened there is completely unacceptable and we're not gonna i'm personally at this point i was already kind of done with blizzard games and um activision games but even more so now oh now i've uninstalled battle.net i i have no interest in like i i was ready for diablo 4 but now i have no interest (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and like, I mean, we could we could talk about that in the future, like, if they do a complete overhaul of that company, and they start writing the ship again, and they get the right people in place, and they start, you know, putting I don't their trust best foot Act- forward. I don't trust Activision to do that. Uh, Blizzard no. is not the Blizzard 
that well, you know we as a community loved. It has not been in years. Well, um, and I'm not it, saying the ship couldn't be righted, but it's a long ways off if if it happens. Well, not just that. Apparently, the blizzard we loved was also a shit. Yeah, they all they all went to riot and made well, that a shit hole. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it was apparently terrible before Activision took over, and they just made it worse. Yeah. So, yeah the the idea that they will somehow course correct it just does not. It, those are some long odds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, br- for the sure. brand is burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much how I feel at this point, too. But, like, um, yeah, I mean, like, to tie it back to our topic, because obviously we could go long and hard on that particular topic, <laughs> but I just kind of wanted to I mean, to we could certainly try. In terms of... <laughs> in terms of our current topic, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't include any listener comments this week just because I knew it was going to be a longer show, especially with us going to be taking a two week break. But, um, do you guys have any like other ones that you want to mention before we move on from the topic? I pretty much got the ones I wanted to get out. out I think I I covered the, like on top of shit you mentioned, like, I think we hit the ones that come to the forefront of my mind. I'm sure there's other stuff, but, uh, the, the ones that, that I think of as, overly relevant to me and my memories of gaming in my younger years i think have been brought up mm. okay I'll, all right I'll, I'll, i said I'll the backwards. word land party so we're done yeah I'll, I'll head farther back in time when i was a kid one of the reasons i was so into reading and uh because you were a nerd i was a nerd but also i really wanted was to understand just let him have it how to find my way around operating systems because they're all text-based. When I was a kid, everything mm-hmm. was DOS on Windows. Uh, we had... I don't know exactly which model of Apple II, but we got it, you know, after the fact. Because I'm not, you know... I'm, was not born Maybe. in the 70s, but they were cheap and easy to get a hold of. I don't know if it was, like, the 2E or the 2GS or, like... You weren't just finding them on the ground outside? Yeah, but anyway, that's that's what we had. It was one, one of those Apple IIs, one of those varieties of, of Apple II growing up and uh yeah having to uh as a little little kid a wee lad find find my way around an operating system that is completely text-based um in order to play games in order to to play my clones of space invaders um dope was was one of the reasons i was so invested in learning how to read at the time did you ever learn to read yeah that's Still haven't, still haven't mastered that, but at least memorized how at least memorized how to start up Quarks, which was the the um that Apple clone of uh of Space Invaders. I'm not convinced uh, that I know how to read. I just think I've memorized a lot of words. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't isn't that reading? I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. 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 Well, I'm going to I'm going to just list a bunch here. We're not going to really discuss them. Uh just for fun. Uh if you want to research them more, you can. Uh obviously there are exceptions to the rule. There're always going to be exceptions. There's going to be one or two guys um or girls or non-binary people out there. Just people in general. They're going to be one or two people. I should have said that from the beginning. Uh in general who are going to kind of be the exceptions to the rule. But um for example, wired controllers. I think that those are largely they're not completely outdated and antiquated. I mean, they serve their purpose, but for the most part, 
they are. Um, multiple disc games. Um, honestly, phys- well, well, I can't say physical copy. For the most part, playing games um, without being connected online. That's um, antiquated and outdated at this point, it feels like. Uh, going to a store to browse all of the new games and content feels something that's antiquated and outdated, especially right now with the pandemic still in full bloom. Uh, Because going to a store for anything feels antiquated. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of does. Reading strategy guides feels outdated and antiquated. Um, Buying a, a, a CD of your favorite soundtrack from a video game feels outdated and antiquated. Um trying to think of anything else major that I'm forgetting trying to trying to think trying to think yeah I uh those are just some of the ones that come to my mind I don't know if you guys have any like other random ones you want to mention but I'm sure there are a lot more oh I'm sure there's stuff we're we're neglecting I I just wanted to like again everything you're saying are things I wouldn't have you know relegated more of a sent more than a sentence to like you just did so just wanted to like really discuss like this the shit I had heavy memories tied to Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But no, that was a fun topic. Um yeah, I I kind of regret not having listeners comment on that one, but at the same time it was it was kind of a hard choice cuz we're already almost at an hour today and um yeah, we still have a ton of games to discuss. We have social media stuff to discuss. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep it short and simple. Um naturally for this week the topic this week but um even though it's a little early i think now's a good natural point for us to um run the ads you know run run the run the revenue of ourselves and promoting ourselves so we're going to promote ourselves while we go on a quick bathroom break don't go anywhere we're going to be talking about some games next we will be right back X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. New magic store.sojump.com. Oh. You there, boy. What news? News, sir. New graphic designs over at store.sojump.com. New graphic designs at store.sojump.com. That's right, sir. My God. You can get all the designs you want on t-shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases. They've done it. Those sword chomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now. God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! All right, and we're back from our break. Thank you so much for waiting for us. Uh, We appreciate you for being here. But now we're going to talk about some games. And what better game to start it off with? One of the games that I was kind of surprised about, and I think you guys were probably surprised about too, that was getting an HD remaster. I I guess it's not so surprising now that every game is getting an HD remaster, but Skyward Sword, uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, 
was announced to get an HD remaster, which was kind of surprising. There were some questions surrounding it as it came out for the Wii um, in terms of the motion control and how they were going to deal with that on the Switch. So um, I'm going to pass it over to you guys as both of you, I believe, have played the game at this point. I have not played it, and I will let you guys take it away. Uh, yeah, so Josh and I have both dipped our toes into Skyward Sword HD, and I think the community, like you were saying, was surprised to see this one getting uh, that treatment. I was not terribly surprised, uh, solely because there's a very specific pedigree there, being that uh, that was uh, Fujibayashi's first uh, Zelda game that he was the director on, and he was also the director on Breath of the Wild, mm. and is going to be on Breath of the Wild 2. Like, so this is seemingly, like, his his trilogy, almost, in a way, and you can see a lot of the the uh, DNA of Breath of the, the Wild. The ideas in, were here. They were percolating in Skyward Sword, um, and frankly, Skyward Sword needed to be put out in a more playable version, because that, that Wii one is really bogged down by the limitations of its motion controls, and... Uh, What's going to be fun about this conversation is you're going to get two different perspectives because I know mm-hmm. Josh has been using the motion controls and I have not. Uh, so for the unfamiliar, the big... You should, uh, you should try them at some point because I tried a ton without as well. Please don't force your lifestyle on me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be writing a review so I definitely will play around with it a little bit because it would feel irresponsible to not try that yeah. when I'm writing a review of the game. But I've mostly been doing it without. Um, for, for people who are unfamiliar... Skyward Sword is a very different Zelda game. One, because in the weird mishmash of a timeline they tried to create, it is the first Zelda game. It is about the creation of the Master Sword. And two, because in its original release on Wii, it was the first game, I think, besides like Wii Sports Resort, to utilize the Wii Motion Plus. So you had direct control over your sword. And what I mean is like combat is very specific because of that. Like Enemies block in such a way that you have to hit from certain angles. Um, I believe it's the only Zelda game where Link is right-handed. Um, no, no, no. He's right-handed in the Wii version GameCube of version Twilight of Princess. The GameCube version. No, 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 no. The, the Twilight Princess Oh, one. right. The GameCube version Because the, the Waggle one. controls. They wanted your sword. Yes, that one, yes. That one also had motion controls, but you didn't have dress control. It was just like a waggle. No, yeah. So but, they wanted... But, they wanted it to match the hand you were swinging, so... Exactly, yeah. Th- this game is a direct one-to-one control... Uh, with that Wiimote for the sword. The way they get around that in this is I, I think they're mostly still intact. I haven't played with them much um, in terms of using the Joy-Cons in each hand, but the way you can get around that in handheld mode or by using a regular controller is the uh, movement of the sword is now tied to the right thumbstick. And I've been mostly playing it that way, and it's not perfect, but it, it feels pretty good, and it's... It works. It works. It works. It may get a little clumsy sometimes, yeah. but it works. It works. It works better in some cases and worse in others. Uh, there's, there's. You can move in first person in this, like in a lot of Zelda. Well, since because uh, dousing enough time, you can, you know, go into a first person mode and kind of look around to to be able to find stuff in the levels. Um, this is the first one. I'm pretty sure the first one, unless I'm really forgetting things. The first one where you can go into first person and then move around. It's the. It's the. One where that was kind of a pivotal point, too, because they introduced mm-hmm. a dousing mechanic where you're using your sword to sort of look for things. Like, you can be yeah. like, I'm tracking this person or this object, and you can then point your sword, and it'll, like, give a, a, a uh, an audio cue to tell you you're heading in the yes. right direction. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and I think that works better without the motion controls because then it's just tied to the stick. Um, whereas otherwise you're kind of waggling that thing around to, to look. Yeah. And that's, that can work. It can work. I feel like that worked really well on... Actually, I don't know if it ever can work on the Switch. It worked well on, like, the, um, the Prime, the Metroid Primes on, on Wii. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you're... But that was because of the light bar stuff, and you barely moved it, and it was more like a mouse. It was functionally <coughs> more like a mouse at that point. You didn't have to worry about recentering because the light's never going to... The light bar is never going to move, so... It yeah. Was, yeah, it just it worked better. Um, whereas uh, with the Wii Motion Plus and now the Switch versions, it relies on the gy- gyroscopic sensor primarily, which gives you more detailed control when you're not looking in one direction, but significantly less detailed control when you are when you pointing are, yeah. in just the one spot. It's a big trade-off. Mm-hmm. Which, which leads to... The game having a dedicated recenter button, uh, which uh, honestly I don't hate because it feels like a throwback to games of that era. Yeah, it's funny because I was playing without the motion controls at first. I'm like, why is there a whole button that just says ding? And then it wasn't until I turned back on the motion controls and was was playing with the the dual we uh, the dual Joy Cons well, that I remembered. Bu- oh, oh, that button just recenters your your motion. Yeah. Um. I just I'd completely forgotten that since playing this. Well, on that the Wii. still works in um in uh, handheld controls. Well, yeah, it, it works still- to recenter, but only, like only if you're doing something that's using. Oh the yeah, controls, yeah, which isn't well, no, most no, because you can you can still free move the camera and the camera. It's a f- no longer a fixed camera. Oh no, 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 no! I'm not talking about the uh whatever it is the ZL because that recenters the camera behind you. I'm talking about the one that recenters where. Oh, the, the middle okay. of the screen is. Yes, no, no, which I apologize. Is, uh, uh, y. If you hit Y, it just it recenters where you're holding the controller, which is useful if you're like laying on your back playing it or something. You need, as to, I always am, you need to tell the game that okay, now this is dead center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, like I was saying, I was playing it without motion controls at first, and I couldn't figure out what the ding button did because I'd Why completely, this is a thing. <laughs> completely forgotten about that. Um, uh, I'm curious though, Josh, what you're thinking on it so far, because this is only reinforcing for me something that I had said years ago, and a lot of people like to disagree with me on this, and I hope now they know they're wrong. Um, this, the motion controls are really what bogged this game down, because I do think it has some of the best dungeons. Uh, of like, there's some real good dungeons in this game. Yes, the dungeons are excellent. I don't, I don't think it's the motion controls. It's just a slow game. It's a very slow game. Oh, it's a slow start. No, but I'm not um, talking about a slow start. I'm talking about the original Wii motion controls made it very difficult to play in spots. <sighs> and I played it recently, and I stand by that. It, it, those puzzle doors are unbearable. Some of the Gearheim fights are ridiculously hard because the motion controls are not accurate enough. Well, I, again, like part of, the, part of this is getting used to them because, yes, they suck. But they work well enough. I there, don't think they do. There's, there's a reason. The Wii ones. There, there's, yeah, the Wii ones. There's a reason there's a dedicated recenter button. It's because after about every four swings, you settle back into default and hit the button. And you have to get used to just constantly resetting it. Kind of like you're playing with a mouse. 
you move it to the middle of the screen, you pick it up, you put I, it back in the middle of the mouse pad. It's, it's I sort don't of a, think it's, it's sort of a muscle memory thing you need to get used to again. I don't think it's the same thing. And like I tried to play the Wii version again about a year ago. It's I I think it is bad. I think those motion controls are bad. Um, I don't think the recenter is enough in a lot specifically in those Girahim fights. It is often not enough. Okay, I've not gotten back to them to know how it's gonna feel, but. Well, I'm not even talking about. I'm not talking about this version. I'm talking yeah, yeah. about the Wii motion controls. Yeah, there are a few spots that are finicky, but the motion controls are like go- going back to this version. They're infinitely faster than trying to like do a spin which... attack with the stick controls, which is like mm-hmm. flicking the thing back and forth. In yeah, the the exact way you want to. The there there are downed enemy attacks which are, again, flicking it in a different direction. Whereas if you're just playing with the dual Joy-Cons, you just, you just flick in the direction you want to go. Um, and it just works. There, there are, kind of like I was saying, the, the Joy-Cons like to drift. And, and not, not just the, the sticks that everyone knows about, but like just the, the motion controls on them like to drift. Um, and this is something that I kind of, again, I, I got used to, um on this on I don't know I think I think a lot of it is just having way more experience with their janky controls that work enough um because there's there's a lot of this with stuff like like Splatoon where you know you're aiming with motion controls but also the stick and you know okay now it's time to recenter and it's just it's kind of it's a muscle memory thing that kind of sucks until you get used to it. Um, that, yeah, that I think for a lot of people, this is the only game they've ever played that has any of that. And it's not worth learning for one game. And in this version, I think that's fine. I'm, I'm just saying I don't think it was there in that Wii version, which is why I think it's, it's I need to get put a little time into the motion controls here. And I'm sure they are, ser- yeah. I'm sure they are more than serviceable at this point. Yeah, it's, it is, it is better than it was originally because there's still a right stick, which was something the original did not have. And so you can turn the camera just by flicking the, 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 um, the stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is so much more helpful for navigating a 3D environment. Just, just having that on there. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. Go figure. The right stick. Make it the camera. Wow, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, other other than that like the game is still the same basic game it it uh, very pretty i'm still not sure how i feel about them just completely turning off the watercolor shaders for the hd remaster yeah that's that's the one thing i think suffers a little bit it's not as noticeable as i thought it was going to be but it's still it's, noticeable. Yeah, yeah. You can still tell that there's a lot of watercolor feel to the textures just in the game. But the original had a watercolor, like, shader over the entire screen. Yeah, it was like of, a grain. Yeah, and it looked beautiful. It was, it was a... Bruce looked amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a standard def... Well, slightly higher than standard def. It was like a PAL def is what they kind of went with. But... um standard def game that still looked gorgeous because of the way they handled a lot of the stuff going on you know just kind of at the system level 
um, looked gorgeous. It's it still looks good, but I kind of fe- I I don't know. Like I mentioned this way way back when they first were showing this thing off about how they didn't have that watercolor filter over the whole thing, and I wish they had an option to turn on at least because I like yeah. I'm it's it's just it's just it's curious seeing it without it. It looks good. It works. It's it not looks almost too clean, and I don't think it looks yeah. bad. Like it's not as noticeable as I was worried it was going to be, but it is noticeable. Yeah, and I, 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 I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they'll like have a patch with an option to turn it on at some point or I'm something. I'm sure they won't. I know they won't because they don't do that. But yeah, it's just it's still strange to me. Just a strange choice to completely yeah, okay. just remove it. Interesting. Interesting. Is there going to be more that? more on that game in the next podcast that we do are you guys pretty much done with it at this point i'm gonna i'm gonna be working on a write-up so we'll see if i have more thoughts as we we go along yeah i've got a ton left of it to play so we'll same you know we'll we'll see where it comes if there are more thoughts worth bringing up on the podcast but um, okay what are your thoughts on demise oh, there you go. Again? I mean, for... <laughs> <laughs> for all of those of you who are interested uh hopefully that satiates your curiosity one way or another but next we're going to talk about a game that uh kind of surprised me um i completely forgotten about its existence until the guys mentioned it last night and then i woke up this morning and quickly played as much of it as i could before the show started pokemon unite uh the pokemon moba game that has dropped a few days ago right it dropped a few days ago two That's, or three days uh, ago the at the 21st the 21st, that's what I thought. Yeah, I just wanted ago. to double check. From recording. Um, dropped on the 21st. Um, it is a free-to-play game that you can download on the Nintendo Switch right now, and it will be available for Android and iOS in September, towards the end of September, as well. Um, it's pretty interesting so far. Um, I'll, I'll basically kind of jump into it. You are basically thrown into a tutorial with, um, with some new professors on a brand-new island. And it is um, basically you learning the ropes with Pikachu and then on a one like you are by yourself in this little arena learning how to play the game. And then you are thrown into a practice five on five match, which you can practice there at any time. And after that, you get some items. They give you some characters. You have a choice about what character you get. You can get a Charizard. You can get. Four other characters, I only say that because I chose Charizard and paid attention to none of the others. And then um, <laughs> you can go play, essentially, and you are given free items, and it's, it's what a MOBA is. Basically, you jump into a five-on-five arena, um, you farm um, other Pokemon, you kill enemy Pokemon, and then you take your points that you have built up, and you basically try and score a Pokeball into a hoop in enemy territory. And uh, whoever gets the most points or the f- when the time runs out, which is 10 minutes, wins the game. And that's pretty much it. And it's been really fun. I mean, that's that's I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. But that's the gist of the game right there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I told you guys like during our break, actually, uh, our bathroom break, I decided to play a match like a, an official first match because I had done the practice tutorial matches and uh yeah it's it's fun it's really fun um it is. right out the gate it's real fun um 
Josh and I, uh, if anyone wants to check out the archive, the day before we recorded this, him and I streamed a bunch of it, and uh, we both were inspired enough to put like $20 into this game to get some extra stuff, because it is a free-to-play game, it's a MOBA that thrives on you buying characters and cosmetics and stuff like that. Um, the things I'll say right off the bat, which I think are worth noting about this as compared to it, I have a sour history with MOBAs. And being that I like to pretend like I think they're hot trash because I played them for too long and put too much money into them and hate myself. <laughs> um, yep. This is refreshing in the MOBA market. And what I mean by that is there's so many things about it that I think are great. One, I think those tutorials really quickly and really effectively teach you how to play in a way a lot of other games of this style have floundered. Um, it yeah. really gets the yep. point across and streamlines and simplifies it. And the other thing, like Shay said, that those 10 minute counters matches are like 15 minutes long max, which is awesome. Cause when I think back to playing something like smite and you're like, should we do a match? And I'm like, I don't know. Do I have 45 minutes to an hour and a half to play one round of this fucking MOBA? Yeah. These games are qu even in ranked are quick. And that scoring mechanic you had briefly mention Shay that I don't think I've seen anywhere else where you have to actually like bank your points like you can be holding a max of 50 points at a, any time and you have to go to an into enemy territory to bank it uh really kind of forces you to get out of the jungle and into yes uh enemy territory it, it's fast paced it's colorful I think the characters are unique and it's going to need balancing but I'm I'm loving it yeah, yeah. I one thing I want to say, because uh, I didn't get to talk much in the last game section, is that I really like to kind of expand upon that. It forces you out of, like, jungling, or it forces you out of, uh, not jungling, uh, sorry, that's the wrong word. Yeah. Uh, it forces you jungling out of uh, ba basically grinding to level yourself up. Like, you have to find a healthy balance, because the games are so fast-paced, and they're so yeah. short yeah. of time that, like, yeah, you want to do some grinding to level up your Pokemon, because... Um, it's kind of cool it, it, how it works in this game. Like you, you do a certain amount of leveling up and gathering of the the points to score on the enemy that you um, not promote. What is the word? Evolve, evolve. How did I forget the word evolve? <laughs> you evolve your Pokemon depending on which one you use. Fake obviously. fan. Yes. Um, which is really cool. It, like, yes, there's a healthy balance between grinding out levels and then attacking the enemy. And, um, I, yeah, I don't feel overwhelmed by it. And like in a lot of other MOBAs, uh, you have like items and other various things that you have to yeah. kind of balance out, like purchasing or picking up. And it's, they kind of did away with all of that in this game. Well, and I really appreciate there that. is of, some of that. A lot of it's there in spirit. Um, but it's like before you're, the match starts. Well, some of it's picked before the match. What picked, like you can set the favorite that you want, but you still have the choice once you're in there um to pick something different but um there's still the idea of like power spikes like okay once i get to this level i'll have this talents and i'll be a lot stronger because there, i've just got a synergy that i didn't have before those sort of ideas are, have been around in mobas like okay once i get to this point i can finally afford this item and that's that's whenever this character really comes online that's here but it's way more obvious to someone who's not put in a you know a million hours learning all this stuff on the on the wiki beforehand because it's obvious oh i just hit stage three evolution i'm more powerful now 
the 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 concepts kind of teach themselves because of the way they are presented here. Um, yeah, with like some of the Pokemon don't evolve or only have two forms, and so you you know that oh they're 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 going to be stronger earlier because they hit that power spike a little bit earlier. Maybe they don't kind of hit the same peaks at the end game, but like there's there's the same feeling of like okay I know I need to push my lead now. Um, I don't need to evolve because Cramorant was born perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, yeah, that's like, kind of, I think that's, that's kind of the meme right now. You were saying, Rich, in in a way, it's it's like half meme, half serious. Is Cramorant the last Pokemon you'd expect yeah. is wrecking this game? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was explaining to Josh. Like, I wasn't sure whether I believed it when it started, but I bought the Cramorant license, and he is real fucking good. Yeah. Like, he, I, I really like playing Cramorant. So yeah, I think he's Can good. Can you get into like a little the... bit of the specifics? Yeah, uh, specifically, once you... there, there's one particular moveset with Cramorant that I think is really good, which is, one, he, he's identified as a high skill ceiling character, which I can kind of see. He's got good mobility and good damage, but the main build you, I, I've been going for with him, which I think is the most effective, is for his two moves eventually at his high level build, what you want to have is Surf and Whirlwind. Because Surf is a push, is a literal push and pull move. It first pulls, pushes the enemy away from you to get yourself some distance, and then pulls them back towards you, and then pushes them back out. And then Whirlwind, which sort of pops them up in the air and pulls them to you. So you can really kind of juggle them a lot with those two moves. Um, and at early stages, he knows Whirlpool, which is a pretty big AOE attack. So he's really good at handling mobs and, and team fights. He yeah. and then I believe it's I believe from Surf he also gets a speed boost so you can kind of hit them with Surf which sort of stun locks them for a few seconds and then gives you a speed boost to get out if you need to get out. Yeah, okay. yeah, he, he's pretty good at just controlling the battle and also because he doesn't evolve, you start out pretty strong. So you're able yeah. to you're able to start out slightly ahead of other players and if you can maintain that lead, you just snowball till the end. And I think. A lot of a lot of this game is people learning when those kind of like I was saying those um, power spikes happen and and learning when to take fights, which people aren't there yet. It's it's been out for a couple they'll, days. They'll get there. Um, I mean, right now I'm I'm really running my two best characters. Josh had me discover one of those last night. I've really been running well with Cramorant for the reasons we're discussing, and then Machamp that is a little bit more refined, but is also a a powerhouse once he's fully evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Machamp was kind of wrecking my ass a little bit when I was <laughs> when I was playing right before um, we started this section of the podcast. Is I was doing my match. I was running Charizard, and um, granted, I wasn't doing competitive play. I was just doing an, a jump in game. But I immediately felt like I I was a fucking champion because I I carried our team to victory. And I was like, I'm not good at MOBAs. I've had one legal one week of League of Legends experience, and I played. Heroes of the Storm with Josh like twice ever. And um somehow I'm wrecking with Charizard. So that's like that's yeah. the cool thing I I think about this game is it really is a great jump in point for any kind of MOBA. Obviously, I'm not telling you to, yeah. like if you want to check out and get deep into the addiction of MOBAs, check out this game. Like I'm not trying to advertise it as that. I'm saying like if you've always been interested in MOBAs and they've always kind of overwhelmed you with how long they are and stuff like that. This is a really good entry level game and it's really fun too. It's free to play obviously. And it's Pokemon. Yeah. I was, I was, I was kind of like 
when you guys had mentioned it's the new uh, MOBA game, I was like, man, I don't really get down on MOBAs, kind of like Rich was saying, but it's Pokemon, so I was willing to give it a shot, and it's it's a lot of fun. Like, as soon as the podcast is done, I like I'm probably gonna go get groceries. Yeah, we're gonna and have to make that, a group. I'm gonna come back. We're and... gonna have to make a group, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's 100 percent sure. happening. We're gonna have to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna be telling our Discord. I'm gonna try and get every single person in that Discord who owns a Switch in on this game, so we can have huge <laughs> five people matches. Like that shit's happening. Like we oh, are. Yeah. I'm it, in. Uh, I'm into this game. It like, this looks is gonna be like my you can make a lobby sure. and do custom games. Currently, um, I've not looked into yep. it, but it looks like they currently they just from the get go have the infrastructure for you to set up a tournament if you really wanted to. It would be guys painful, but or doable. or we run we run ranks together. Now's our chance to get the first Sword Chomp esports team off the ground. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what I've always wanted to do. Any but. excuse to get matching jackets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Start it now, and we'll be ready uh, right in the swing of things whenever Splatoon 3 comes out. That's what we've been waiting for. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 exactly. But, no, it's a really fun game. I recommend it to anybody. Um, so far, it's been a blast. Granted, I've only played one official match, but I've had <laughs> a lot of fun with it already in the, like, 40 minutes that I played the game, and I'm definitely going to be having more thoughts about it um, here in two weeks when we come back. But yeah, that's it for, unless you guys have anything major else to say, I'm going to move on to Ender Lilies. Um, that sounds good. Is a game I think that Josh, yeah. Josh and I talked about, about last week. Rich, have you had any time to put in the game or no, not yet? I have not. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, you're missing <laughs> out because um, I was not super far in the game last week when Josh and I talked about it. Josh has already finished it at this point. He had finished it last week. I've not quite finished it because I, I've just been going through and doing every single thing. Like, I thought I was just going to yeah. try and breeze through this game, and I was wrong. Um, I'm trying I'm to sorry, clear I mean, every, every room, everything. So Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm, I nearly 100% of it. Uh, nearly 100%ed it by accident just because it got so sucked in. Um, That's happened to the best of us, mm-hmm. and it will happen again. It'll never stop. Yep. <laughs> Until we die. But no, this, this game gets so much fucking better the more you get into it. Um, it really gets better. Like, all the abilities that they really start to introduce and all the items that you can pick up strengthening various one of your abilities really, really makes the game a lot more fluid and fun to play even more so than i felt last mm-hmm. week um josh and I, and I had both mentioned when we saw previous for the game how stiff this game felt but man were we both wrong like you start getting abilities that allow you to dash and run really fast which you can bash through walls um you're able to double jump you're able to dash through the air and you're able to pick up item an item that will actually make you jump even higher on top of that. Like there, there's so much you can do in this game. And yeah. with all the different abilities you get from the, the enemy bosses that you kill and defeat and purify, like there's so much customization to the way this game plays. And it, it's actually really important as well. Like something like Ori or Hollow Knight, I never really felt prompted as much as I probably should have to switch abilities and switch around what I do in that game. Like I, I found w- what I like and I kind of stuck with it. That's kind of, that's kind of my MO. Like when I play games, when yeah. I find something I, that I like, yeah, I'm hard pressed to change. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially in Ori. Um, like yeah, I got that hammer, and yeah, it, it was it was nothing but hammer. Yeah, but that ham- living that hammer life the rest of the game. Um, well, yeah, it's it's so much fun. It, like it makes you so floaty in that game as well. And there's so yeah, there's so much you can do to chain with that that hammer and Ori and Will of the Wisps. Yeah. But this game, I feel, is completely different in that each boss and major boss, like there, there are mini bosses and major bosses, each major boss really makes you think about what abilities you've picked up to this point, really makes you test out all the abilities that you've used. You don't have to like use every single one. There are definitely some of the, the abilities that I've gotten that I just, I couldn't be, I couldn't be fucked to use just because I think that they're a waste of time in terms of the way I play games. But I'm constantly changing out my abilities and trying new abilities, especially with certain bosses. Like, um, yeah. Josh, I, I, w- without uh, talking about the story, because there's a major spoiler in, in that particular section, is uh, when you get up to the ruined castle and you're fighting the knight at the very top of the castle, um, that guy w- has been the hardest boss for me so far. And I kept having, like, I would try a few times and then I would die. And I was like, all right, this particular power up isn't working here. So I need a change up. And I did yeah. that about three times until I finally figured out, okay, this set of power ups works for what I'm trying to do, works against this guy. And then once I kind of dug in and got that down, I was able to start memorizing the patterns of how this yep. guy moves and once i did that that um, boss in particular in this morning first thing awesome yeah. yeah that boss in particular is one where y- your build matters but he will just grind you down if you don't absolutely know his move set inside it out um just because yeah he does a lot of damage he has a wide variety of moves that look similar enough that they're easy to trick you. Um, and it, it, yeah, like, he, yeah, he I was, chips away at your health really well. Yeah. And I was just like taking damage to stuff I'm like, Oh, like I see what's coming, but it's, it's slightly different was missing stuff. Uh, that one is one that I was, I used the, there's a, there's an in-game just like default, like you can equip a, you know, it's essentially a, like a, I don't know what they're called in this game, but they're essentially like the trinkets in Hollow Knight. Um, yes. That you equip on whatever, but it's one of them doesn't cost anything to equip and it gives you a, a minor parry that just gives you a tiny, tiny stun if you, you know, block exactly as something hits you, um, which is good. I always have that equipped, but there are also abilities that will give you just like in Smash Brothers, instead of just like the shield parry that will give you a counter parry that does massive damage if you know exactly when something's going to hit you. Um, and this boss is one that if you just don't know the moves, he will destroy you. And I, I, I loved parrying this boss once I learned the move set, and that kind of that really helped me um, take that boss down just because it's, it's so satisfying to finally master a boss in a way that it it's it's not a souls like but a lot of the way you go about conquering bosses feels very similar in the in the sort of yes um big big move pools that the the bosses have that you have to learn um yeah 
Yeah, the the thing about this game is um the the main bosses come in three phases. Um and so each phase you may have some of the similar moveset from the first phase or the second phase, but you're also he's he or she or they are opening up their move pool to some new attacks as well. And yeah. um with this particular boss that we're talking about, I don't know, like it was a really cool boss why which is why we're talking about it so much. Um, it's a very like basic move pool, and then the second, when in his second form, he introduces a counter attack, and then he has like a a two combo move where it looks similar to another move. He jumps back for a split second and then stabs forward, uh, in a diagonal line at you, mm-hmm. and then when he gets to the third phase, it becomes a three hit combo, um, on top of all the other moves, and there's some other moves that the boss introduces as well so it becomes very complicated and that's cool that you use parry like or counter parry i didn't use counter parry at all like i use the the wolverine claws and then i use the the power where it shoots a knight forward oh uh, with yeah the yeah. spear i use that like those are the only two moves i used and i just used the dash to to get past them and um that's how i i i was able to survive and that's more my play style because like yeah, sitting there are, down there are and trying to get options. the timing of things. Yeah. Yeah, there are... sitting down getting the timing of that is not the playstyle for me. And that's and that's exactly what speaks to this game is like there are different ways to beat these bosses. And that's mm-hmm. I really like that. I'm I'm sure it's similar to other Metroidvanias in that way, but it also really forces you to try out all these different abilities, which I really appreciate about this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, um, I'm a big parry I, fan, re- so like I, okay. I got into that, but, uh, there are a bunch of ranged options. There are a bunch of like kind of mid range. Sounds like what you're at the stuff that gives you just a little bit more space, just a little bit more space. So you've got time yeah. to react to stuff, but still basically in melee, like the, you, there's so much flexibility in how you play this, um, that it just, it feels, it feels really satisfying when you're able to kill one of those tough bosses with your play style yeah exactly yeah i the way i usually approach the bosses is slightly different from the way that i approach getting up to the bosses um you have a bunch you have a big variation of enemies that you fight and that's one really cool thing about this game that um i've loved so far is the massive amount of variation in enemies which is insane there are so many different kinds of enemies and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And they, they, I think they do a really good job. Um, these developers do a really good job of bringing over some enemies from like a previous area that you fought and then introducing a whole new set of enemies. It just keeps each area so fresh feeling. Like mm-hmm. I never feel like I'm fighting too much of one enemy um, unless I'm backtracking, obviously, at, which at, you do a lot in this game as you get new abilities. And that's if you want to 100% the game, you're doing a ton of backtracking. But otherwise, you're not doing a lot. You do, you do have to do some, but it's not egregious. But yeah. I, I always feel like I'm fighting a different enemy each section that I go to. And it's really cool. I, I love the various enemies. Like, I can't tell you how excited I got when I got to that ruined castle and I was like, a centaur? I get to fight a centaur? <laughs> like, 
it's it's so it feels like it's so rare in games nowadays that you get to fight all different kinds to of murder creatures, horse but... people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was really excited about that. Um, the last major thing I want to say because like I don't have a ton more to add is I've really gotten into the story now. Like where at the beginning I was just like, oh mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I, I fucking. Josh did something similar last week, so I, I'm not surprised. Um, it's good to hear you're both sharing that sentiment. Yeah, yeah, because like I was saying yeah. early on the way everything's told you like, Oh, it's just a bunch of lore. Like they, they're like, they, they fell into that lore trap. Like, Oh, souls likes are, are about lore. But then it turns out that all this lore has to do with like your character directly. And like, Oh, Oh, I actually need to pay attention to it here. And it's, it's less flavor text and more building to something. Yes. Yeah. And I think they did a good job kind of springing that on you. If you've gotten into a rut of assuming that, you know, this is just kind of, atmosphere ancillary yeah 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 well it's that and on top of that too like when you start killing more of the bosses you actually get these fmvs these really really stylistic and cool fmvs um they're not full fmvs but they're partial fmvs that show you what what these characters lives were before they were taken over by this this affliction Mm -hmm. and how that relates to your character which is the white current white princess um that isn't spoiling too much um obviously gives hints towards where that go where the story goes but um yeah as you're encountering these abominations and you're purifying and killing them they the major bosses they're telling you their story and it's it's really fascinating i've really enjoyed it a lot and i've enjoyed the lore dumps because like Josh said, it pays, pays dividends in having you learn more about who you're playing as and why these characters are kind of these spirits are helping you and why this one particular spirit that you meet at the beginning of the game is helping you as well to some mm-hmm. degree. And I'm sure that will pay off towards the end as I'm getting, yeah. as I'm winding down towards the end of the game. I think I have one more, I have two more sections left. Um, I have the subterranean subterranean area and then i have to go to the abyss which is will be the last area that i have to go to in the game but yeah i I, i'm really enjoying the game a ton um it's a very good metroidvania game for anyone out there um who likes metroidvania games rich if you plan on playing it um i say that we do a chomping after dark on on this game um i wasn't sure there would be enough uh, there no, knowing you that you definitely want to do that, I, I will make more of a point to get to it very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah because this game is absolutely worth the time um, to do a chomping after dark, and it's worth like I'll I'll probably end up doing a review, and I'll ask Josh if he wants to kind of like add anything. I'll write a review for it when I finish it, and then I'll ask Josh, "Hey, read over this. If there's anything you want to add or anything you kind of want to say on top of that, um, I'll add it in there." And I'm I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, unless something major happens at the end that completely ruins the experience, it's an absolute must buy. It's absolutely worth your time. Um, you've heard it here. So I, I, I don't think like for me, obviously it's not, it's not as good to me as something like Ori, the two Ori games. Um, for me, it's on par with hollow Knight. I know that's probably blasphemy for a lot of people. Um, it's on par with that game. Uh, obviously there are certain aspects of each game that do, that is high praise do, do better or worse but this game is phenomenal and i've been pleasantly surprised yeah it 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 really surprised me as well 
Um, cause like I was saying, I, I think some of it was that they didn't want to spoil stuff. So a lot of the trailers earlier are from early portions of the game where the character doesn't have a wide variety of moves and it is a little stiff. Like it's not stiff enough that it is like off putting, but it's, it's very much kind of in that child of light, you know, Hey, this thing was built in the Rayman engine, sort of a feel to it. Like, yeah, like right. something just feels slightly off. Uh, but then it all comes together anyway. Like they they made it all work, uh, and it just feels excellent by the time you 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 know start getting these abilities. So, yep, cool. Yep, absolutely. Yep, worth your time. Um, yeah. So let's jump into the next game. Um, Josh has been playing a slew of indie games, uh, so this is going to become the indie corner, and I'm excited about it. Josh told us, messaged us actually a few days ago, and said. Death's Door is a must-play, with zero explanation, because he knew he was going to be telling us today why it's a must-play. Please sell me. I mean, I don't need to be sold on it. You and I were both head over heels for that trailer, but I just want to hear your initial impressions before I dive in myself. Um, Death's Door is a kind of top-down, isometric-looking... Zelda game, I guess, is the closest, like, one-to-one, but it's, it's, again... I've seen some Hyperlight Drifter comparisons. There's a lot of Hyperlight Drifter in there. There's, there's DNA from a million things, and, like, and also, obviously, they know it because there are references all over the place in, in this thing. Um, like, I, I, I just sent you moments ago in whatsapp uh a screenshot of ball plart the head of security yeah. in the um so like it's it's the they they they're fine wearing their influences on their sleeve sort of a sort of a game um but it is a very very fluid uh uh top down action game um that like you're like you're saying a lot of influences um, kind of from all over. I the the hyperlight drifter thing, absolutely. Like the main mechanic here is just one hundred percent. It's hyperlight drifter. Uh, you've got great. You, that's all I. You've really got need. you've got like a. They call it magic, but it's essentially whatever whatever thing you've got there. You start out with a bow, um, and you can shoot four times with it. And anytime you hit an enemy with your sword or whatever ever whatever other melee weapon you've got gives you a charge back of your ammo just okay. like hyperlight drifter so it's got this flow of like smack something a couple times tit, tit dodge for tat back and, yeah. dodge back to avoid something shoot him a couple times um yeah and so on and so forth it's a push and pull yeah 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 and it just like hyperlight drifter feels excellent as far as just everything controlling as precisely as you can want a game to feel. Um, there, there, there's a, um, the, the kind of, the, the framing for this is that you are a raven who works for, they don't really give a name of the department, but like essentially you work for death or something. Analogous. The Department of Motor Vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, some bureaucratic version of death and you're gone to claim souls or whatever and something goes wrong and one of your 
things and you kind of end up on an adventure. So and in theory, this happens. game could have been a Beetlejuice game. Exactly. Um, and that's kind of the framing of it. Which I don't know exactly how, you know, good the story will be long term as far as like how that goes. Just because I'm, I'm not far enough there to, to give it Sounds like the gameplay is enough to carry it regardless. But yes, the gameplay is so ridiculously outstanding. Um, like it, it is. Like it's, it is on par with something like, I don't know, on par is maybe a little strong because Hyperlight Drifter is just. Probably too early early per- to say. Yeah, perfectly balanced. Like, Hyperlight Drifter is so well balanced that I went back through on the one-hit mode because the game is balanced enough for that to feel fair. Um, I don't know if I'll feel that way by the end of this. We'll see. We'll see. But as far as the way the movement and the combat feels, it's promising. It, it sure seems like it could end up that way. Um, and- for for your money, there's nothing else quite like Hyperlight Drifter. Do so to hear this many people making comparisons to say no, like that's an apt comparison. Like mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. That's enough yeah. to make me really want to prioritize this. Yeah, it is very much like Hyperlight Drifter. Uh, again, kind of like I was saying, I don't know if the combat will end up feeling quite that balanced because that game, you could go to any of the bosses in any order because they were all extremely tightly tuned. It was built for that. It was built to go in any direction. In this, there's an order that you go to things in. Um, However, one thing that I have noticed, because of the way I'm an insane person, is that they do something that you were able to do ever since Ocarina of Time, which is once you go into a dungeon and get the item from the dungeon, now you can get to the next dungeon, and you don't have to finish it. Um... And so I, being an insane person, have gone through almost all the dungeons to get the items and just moved on, and I've not fought the bosses yet. Just to see what sort of support there is for me being... See if it'll let you. Yeah, to be an insane person. Um, because I, I, I don't know, I like, I like poking at the edges of these things, and uh, so far they're letting me. So far... Ocarina doesn't let you do that, you need those medallions, dipshit. Only one of them. Only one of them. You can, I've got a save file on that game of me at the end, and I can go through and fight any boss I want. Because it's just, um, like, once you, once you get to Adult Link, you can, you can be at the end of every dungeon. That, the, that's another podcast, Josh. Yeah. I'm working yeah, on yeah, writing yeah. that. Let's anyway, go. anyway. But yeah, it's, it's, it's doing that same thing. And I really like when games support that level of fucking around. Um, um, it's, it's kind of like I mentioned with the, you know, the ball plart thing. It's, it's got a lot of, that's probably not the best example, but a lot of really funny writing. A lot of the characters are kind of puns and, and silly names and, and that's, stuff like that, that the, the one, uh, I, that stuck out to me. One of them you shared in the WhatsApp that I do remember from that initial trailer too, was probably my favorite is that character who is clearly a squid controlling a human corpse mm-hmm. and you walk in the room and he's like hello fellow biped <laughs> yes yeah that is that is uh jefferson um the 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 totally a human who uh he's kind of the the hint uh system in the game where you can go there and jefferson will make you a meal and, and while you're eating that meal he will tell you any areas <laughs> that might still have secrets still in them so maybe you should maybe. go explore maybe perhaps here yeah um, you know, just kind of chat to you while you're while you're sitting there eating a meal from Jefferson, the totally human. Um, 
awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is ridiculously charming, great art style, amazing amazing gameplay. Um just it's it it is worth your time to check out if nothing else. Um It looks really fun. Um it was one that I got excited for when it was announced as well. Um I'm really excited. Yeah, it is it on Game Pass? Uh no, this I one don't is believe so. not on game, let me double check because there's been so it, much it going on for Game Pass, but I'm sure it's it is, not. It, it is not. It is not. Okay, it is not on Game Pass. Okay, and that's but, not a big but deal. But on I mean, pretty much I, everything I'm else, you can still find that it game because it looks everywhere. fun. So. Yeah, yeah, twenty bucks, and and Can't absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. Can't beat that. Don't get uh, Starbucks for a week, and you can play that game. All right, mm-hmm. Tohu. Tohu is another game that you played, Josh. What's Tohu? Uh, Tohu is a point-and-click adventure game that just came out this year. Uh, that well, po- point-and-click, but you know, you play it with a controller uh, because you know, obviously, you, you can't disgusting. have disgusting. Yeah, right, right. Like you have to let these casuals play their me, game Josh. on the consoles. You, cannot, and you cannot talk about this game any longer because you lied to me. <laughs> um. Anyway, anyway, right, it's, it's got uh, it's got uh, like a hand drawn sort of art style, but uh, it, it feels very similar to a lot of the Amanita, like the Samorost games with their, um, you know, visiting a variety of planets, each with their kind of own theme going on. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in those, they were all based off of like kind of uh, um like found object type themes with you know like oh this one's a big piece of driftwood this one's a you know a hunk of trash or something like it's that, that sort of a feel in in the samarost games um these ones are all mm. different fish they're on they're on floating fish that fly through Aren't the sky we all? yeah um but anyway um you kind of you explore through these areas playing as one character who can switch between like you know your normal human little girl form and then like her mech version um cuz she she's got a mech obviously um you know that kind of allows you to do you know like lift up heavy objects and whatnot and and interact with puzzles in a different way um it is a it is a charming little story like kind of a light thing um that does also something that they kind of took from the the Amanita Games formula um that they they started doing with uh Machinarium uh where you can play it you know a little mini game to get sort of a uh I want to say hieroglyphic but that's not exact that's not exactly what I mean but like kind of like a pictograph like explanation like hint thing so like you do a little mm-hmm. mini game, you get a still somewhat vague hint after that if you're if you're stuck, which is great for these sort of games because otherwise you end up in, in situations where either pixel hunting or just stuck. Uh so it's good that they have things in game. They, they have an out. Yeah, to get you unstuck if need be. That isn't just I'm going to look this up now because fuck this. Yeah, exactly. Um and that it's it's great like it kind of it it maintains that breezy atmosphere because of that like oh like i i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing here i'm i'm a mini game away from knowing what i'm supposed to be doing here um which is great um 
kind of the, the only downside to it currently is that it is slightly buggy. Like I've had a few issues with interacting with things um, where like some, like a trigger didn't load exactly right. And I'll have to walk out of a screen and walk back into it to be able to interact with something that I obviously should be able to interact with. Um, and hopefully they get all that ironed out before too long, because other than that, like it, it's, it feels like a solid sort of, you know, just light adventure game. Um, it just, it's just kind of a, a joyful little, uh, you know, kind of breezy story that they've got there. That just kind of, uh, some of the minor bugginess is enough to bog it down whenever something doesn't do what it obviously should. Uh, and hopefully they get that ironed out soon and, you know, it ends up being something I can kind of recommend without any, you know, caveats to it. Mm. Yeah, it definitely sounds uh, appealing enough. I mean, I, I like adventure games and yeah. always up for a little relaxation yeah. and uh, and clicking. Exactly. Like, currently, currently with the puzzles and whatnot, I... Kind of like I mentioned before, it's there's an awful lot of influence from those Amanita games, and I would absolutely go back and play those first if anything I've said kind of appeals to you. Uh, Samorost 1 is... Well, actually, I was going to say it's free, but now that Flash is no longer a thing, I don't know if you can get it free online anymore. You you may... I think they released a Steam I version I mean, Flash is still on Netflix. Okay, okay. Anyway, um... <laughs> I was I was just gonna be like, Josh, why would I play any of this? You know, you, you can get all the Monkey Island games for like twenty five bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, but but anyway, anyway, so like you can get the Samorost games on basically everything, and they aren't cool. they aren't buggy at this point. Those are great. Machinarium is just a delight, fun fun little adventure game, similar mm-hmm. similar sort of thing that has had all these issues ironed out. So if you haven't gotten to those. Maybe, you know, I'd, I'd go to those first, but, like, this is in that sort of vein. Like, there's a, a lot of influence from it. They're trying to do that sort of, not quite wordless, but close to it, sort of storytelling, light feeling, you know, worlds. It, it's fun. It, it is a fun experience. Cool. And, cool. and hopefully they iron out the bugs. Yeah. I want them to iron out the bugs for your sake, Josh. Mm-hmm. And speaking of bugs, when you told me the title of this uh, game that you're about to talk about, I couldn't stop thinking about Venomoth, uh, the Pokemon, <laughs> right. which all ties into everything we talked about today. Venom- Venonith. 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 Excuse me. Venonith, which is the last indie game that you played. You told me it came out last year. What's that game about? Yeah, that, it's a game that came out last year that I wanted to get around to and never really had a chance. It is a marble game. Um, oh, okay, that's the, what I thought it was. I, was tr- I, I think I caught a little bit of your stream of that. Yeah, yeah, it is a marble game, kind of along the lines. It takes place in hell? Yeah, that kind of along the lines of, you know, like, you know, monkey ball or whatever, but instead of tilting the world, you're just, you're, you're imparting momentum on this thing, just like you're playing Marble Madness or something. Um, but kind of like you, you are playing this in a, a 90s tech demo CGI render 
um, of worlds, like these just insane here are geometric shapes and 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 mountains for some reason, like sort of sort of environments. It looks cool, um, which is is like completely my aesthetic. It, I, I, it's it's it is such a cool looking thing. Um, just bizarre. It makes no sense. There's no reason for any of it. It's 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 like visiting an alien planet if somehow it was inhabited entirely by cones. Or oh okay this this one this one I don't I don't know what was happening here but the cylinders the cylinders must have just really really come far before they finally hit that you know finally hit that great filter um it's it is a I mean kind of kind of like we we're saying with the Marvel Madness comparisons it is very much about navigating by imparting momentum just like your controls are angular momentum on this marble in a direction that you're holding the stick essentially which leads to a lot of kind of like really futzy correcting like minor corrections trying to make sure you're staying on the line you want to um mm. sort of puzzly is the wrong way to put it but that's sort of like a uh, very mindful platforming sort of a feel to it. Um, okay. I, I guess I, I, I think the easiest comparison would be like playing any of the Mario games with Luigi. That sort of feeling of like, oh, my momentum, my momentum absolutely matters on this. Um, and planning ahead to make sure I don't just slide right off the end of a platform uh, is a deal. Um, It that is, sounds it interesting, is, though. Yeah, it is is kind of a, a fun sort of world to get lost in. Um, yeah, are are you, are you glad that you finally got around to it at this point? I am. I am. It is. I. I it's, it is absolutely not going to be for everyone because it is such a unique thing. But I think that's kind of what I like about it because I don't. We need more weird games like this where. You're rolling a fucking marble. Like what? No, no one. That's that's not going to be the next big thing. Um, but says you. They they commit so fully to it, and they they take a lot of the ideas that were in some of these older, really cool games that kind of got yeah, left by the yeah. wayside, and just commit to making a modern version of those in a lot of ways. That it is. It is just so cool to go back and not, not even going back, but just, just, just see what that would be like now. Um, and yeah, I, sure. I've, I've had a ton of fun. I've had a ton of fun playing this game. Good, man. Sounds I'm glad cool. you, I, I always like getting around to those games that are kind of been sitting on your backlog. And it sounds like that just this year, you have just been able to push into your backlog so much and get yourself to a good place. So, that's got to feel mm-hmm. good. I, I'm happy for you that you're able to do that right now. Yeah. It's been fun. Getting all the gaming out before you move, too, which is probably feeling good. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be completely behind again, I'm sure, given everything I've got going on in the next month, trying to get all that ready and then everything settled again. It's, yeah. 
<laughs> it's yeah. So, yeah we get as I ahead mean, as we can before I come, you know, I'm never right. ahead ever. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, usually we take a break here, but we're going to push on right through. Um, we're feeling good. We're feeling ready. We're feeling chipper. So we're going to go straight into our social media poll day, which we do, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, on Tuesday at the Sword Chomp Instagram every week. Uh, next week, it'll probably I'll probably try and do something a little bit differently uh, to take account for us being gone next week. But um, at the top of the day for the poll day this week, I had mentioned that Bastion's 10-year anniversary was this week. Which I was like, damn, it's been 10 years already. But man, what a fucking good game. Good grief. What a good game. That, the game that started it all for Supergiant. That's, that's one of those things that it makes no sense that that's been 10 years. But also, it, doesn't it feel like Bastion has always existed? It kind of does, yeah. It feels like Bastion's always been there. But it was like two generations ago, which is also trippy to yeah. think about. It's it's yeah. crazy that it's it it feels like that's so long ago, but also I can't remember not having that game as like a point of reference. It is just such an important game in 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 the medium, and and seeing where they've gone from there has been amazing. But it, yeah, yeah, that that ten year anniversary really kind of snuck up on me it snuck in up. a way yeah, yeah it snuck up on us for sure it, it surprised me i was like oh damn 10 years already but mm-hmm. yeah like you said it's cool to see how far that company has come uh that game still holds up really well it's absolutely worth going back to play uh bastion uh the first game yeah. or the first poll excuse me the first poll that i did this week was assassin's creed infinite are you excited for it or no uh 33 of people said give me that game give me and uh, 67% of people said, no, thank you. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I didn't really enjoy Valhalla as much as I was hoping to. Um, I know Odyssey and Origin, a lot of people like those games, especially Odyssey. A ton of people like that game. But at this point, like, I haven't enjoyed Assassin's Creed enough over the years to justify me personally playing uh, an MMO set in that universe. So. Well, that's not necessarily mm. what it is um the, right. the fact of the matter is it's hard to be excited about it because we don't know what it is um right assuming there, there's one particular realm where i think it might be this and if it is this then i then i'm interested because that's exactly what i want from assassin's creed yeah they talked about it launching with multiple settings what i'm sort of looking for is a persistent sort of progress with like unlocks and cosmetic options that is just piecemeal bits of like here's ten dollars for this short story set in this time period, this like four yeah. hour Assassin's Creed experience set in this time period. And if if it is that, great. That sounds digestible yeah. and awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that like the concept of it being this big live service garbage. If it's more of a platform, there's potential in that. A platform for smaller, bite-sized experiences. Exactly. Like, like imagine if the last several games didn't have to be bloated nightmares. Well, what what I have been using as an example is um, in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which despite it being what it is, I enjoyed for what it was, um, Mm -hmm. there's a section that a lot of people who have seen it will know is the Vinland section. When you go to North America... And yeah. 
in that section, which is a totally optional mission set, you have a small contained map of North America. You lose all your equipment when you go there, and you have to start making new stuff. And there's a bunch yeah. of temporary, like, Native American-designed equipment sets. And it takes about three hours to clear that map and do all the things. And I was like, yeah, they should have put, like, just that out for, like, $15. And that would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I see the promise of this. Just like you're saying, the idea of... This, the, the platform already exists, the money has been put into it, but they could put... It's less of, invest, of an investment to give us new content in this game. And in more and digestible so get, doses. Yeah, we could get weird little stories out of this, and I think that is interesting. Um, yeah, it's because all... that would be cool. Yeah. It so depends on what direction they take it in, and maybe to, you know justify the money coming in there's a lot of cosmetic stuff i'm fine with that and maybe there's some sort of consistent multiplayer experience thing because of course there would be but if you're getting that or even if that multiplayer experience a friend of uh, of mine at work who's big into these games actually said to me the kind of thing he would be looking for in that and i'm like that does sound intriguing is almost picture like gta level heist missions that are planned assassinations you take on in like groups of five that would be cool, because that's something that, honestly, the I, I, have, I don't feel like I've planned an assassination since Assassin's Creed 1. Well, actually, the last time I specifically remember planning an assassination, and this is a game that was a mess at launch, so a lot of people didn't really fully experience it, once Unity was fixed, that had some of the best proper planned an assassination missions the mm. series ever had. Okay. Yeah, I didn't go back to that one, yeah. so I don't know. That game, in, in a now playable state it exists in, is actually a pretty good Assassin's Creed game. Okay. That's exciting. Cool. Yeah, well, I, I'm not really excited for it, but if it is similar to what you guys are describing, I would be more on board for that, but remains yeah. to be seen. Remains exactly. to be seen. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Until we know what it is, we, all we can do is speculate. Yep. Yep. Earlier this week, Skate 4 was officially announced and shown. Uh, earlier this week, I believe it was on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, it was announced or rumored to be announced. Um, it was mentioned, is the word I was looking for, last year um, as a. Uh, yeah, we already knew about fans, it. That much. One of the chompers. Yeah, we knew about it, but that's it. Like, we just knew it existed. But there was an official uh, statement from EA and it was shown off. Um, so I asked the fans. 900, baby, meaning you're excited or not for me. 64% of people are excited for the game. 36% of people are not, which um, I was a little bit surprised by that number actually not being higher because I know a lot of our fans are our age and really love Tony Hawk, the Tony Hawk game. So I was a little bit surprised by that, but. I, I like skateboards games. <laughs> I like the skateboards. I like the skateboard games. Yeah. When, my, when my knees were less old and decrepit, I liked the regular skateboarding. Now I just like the games. Yeah, there, well, there's, there's a very famous quote by um, a great poet by the name of Ed Sheeran, who once said, when your legs don't work like they used to. And that's, that's it. That's it. That's that. It's weird. That's that. It almost <laughs> seems like... <laughs> Seems like I get distracted halfway through that quote. Was he the was he the poet from Game of Thrones times? 
<laughs> I get that reference. Uh, uh. Um, Skull and Bones, the upcoming pirate game that has had multiple issues, is, it is finally out of its alpha phase. Upcoming. I asked our fans, are you still excited for this game? 46% of people said, shiver me timbers. And 54% of people said, gonna walk the plank. Well, I got news for 46% of you. Go read some of the reporting on that game, and I don't think you're ever going to see that game. Mm. <laughs> As people who were in lead development on it a year ago said, it being out of alpha means nothing. <laughs> that, that game sucks. is a smoldering oh, pile of shit. That That's sucks, because so uh, I'm really excited for that it's game. It's intriguing, but it's been, it's been in development hell for eight years. A lot of people probably don't even know this. That game started development as a multiplayer expansion for Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Uh, <laughs> I didn't oh know that, actually. God. Yeah, uh, that eventually it was going to be add-on content for Black Flag for multiplayer ship battles, and it spiraled out into its own game, and it has been in development hell for about eight years. How did this not get canceled six years ago? That's a great question. Well, that's a bummer, because like we've seen what happens when you perpetuate the development of a game that was supposed to be for a previous gen or for a previous situation and how disjointed and discombobulated and outdated it, it can feel like. Cyberpunk is one of those games that was, it was still fun to play, but it definitely felt dated the moment it came out because it, it seemed like yeah. it was being developed for a previous generation or uh, Final Fantasy XV is another really big example of that for better or worse. I don't know, that game's pretty good. I know, I like that game. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with I know, I'm just it. trying to be a dick. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, not saying there's anything wrong I do like that, that game, game. For I enjoyed my but time with Final I don't think you're, I don't think you're... I don't think you're incorrect in that assessment. Like, despite me liking that game, I don't think that is a, a, yeah. an unapt uh, assessment. Yeah, I feel like that almost every time an open-world game comes out like that, I'm like, oh, oh, you, you know, I, I, I played this 15 years ago. Um. Just because of, like, there's, in order to make something of that scale, it takes so long that, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's... We put in the nemesis system. It's, it, I don't know, it feels like progress in some of these massive things comes at such a snail's pace because and of I it. don't, I don't mind it, it's not such a big deal for me. Like, I really enjoyed my time with Cyberpunk, despite all of the myriad of issues that it had. I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, to be objective and note those issues um, is part of what I do, what we do here. You know, like, be objective mm -hmm. along with the subjective. And I've, I've always been kind of okay with those games feeling a little bit behind in terms of, quote-unquote, progress for what these games should be. Um, yeah. And I understand other people aren't as apologetic when it comes to that. And um, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I just, like, I want this game. I want it to happen. But at this point, yeah, like, um, it just seems so unlikely. But I, I would love just, for it to come out and be amazing and for us to have a ton of fun of it. I just don't see that happening after all the time. No, yeah. no. No, I'm still going to be hopeful, though, up until the point that it's killed. Well, like, r un ridiculously hopeful. At, yeah. wistfully Logically optimistic hopeful. because yeah. the, the, the thing is I've been excited for it since it was initially announced as somebody who I will say Assassin's Creed Black Flag is my favorite Assassin's Creed game 
and all the things I love about it are the things yeah. that make it barely an Assassin's Creed game, including the yeah. naval stuff. Yeah, like, even though it's, like, a crapshoot if it comes out or not, I've still not canceled my pre-order at Circuit City. Oh, Josh, <laughs> we need to talk after the show. <laughs> Pre-orders. You should have pre-ordered at oh, Radio Shack. <laughs> Radio Shack. Uh, uh, Dragon, Dragon Quest Twelve, according to director Yosuke Matsuda, will shape the future of the series for 10 to 20 years. That is a direct quote. And 53% of our fans said, cool. And 47% of our fans, including myself, said, What's the, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, because that, like, th- that, that vague statement was made, but there was no expanding upon that. Yeah, but, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, well, here's the thing that I think probably needs to be taken into account, and I don't know how much of this it means, because he definitely didn't expand upon it there, but I think around the launch of uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, um, they were talking about how it was really breaking out in the West, and then when this game was initially announced, and they were talking about the tone and things like that, they were really talking about how this seems like this is the Dragon Quest for the West. like. It seems to be taking on a serious... I don't know if that's going to be a good thing. Yeah, I'm um, worried. Because uh, I frankly don't think Dragon Quest for the East is a good thing, but Dragon Quest for the West sounds fucking atrocious. I like Dragon Quest a lot, and I, I think saying Dragon Quest for the West is probably not even an apt way to describe it, but the way they've been talking about it is like this Dragon Quest is going to have a darker tone than what Dragon Quest is normally. Hmm. Which, that's just vague enough for it to kind of go either way. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I just, but I, I really like Dragon that, Quest Eleven. so... I just remember reading that headline and I looked at the article and I was like, huh, a non-statement. Okay, move on with my day. <laughs> and I figured it, that was funny Oh, it very much is. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I just try to elaborate on as much as I can based off shit I have read from other places. Well, no, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. But yeah, I, I just, I'm saying I thought it was funny enough to include here. Yeah, um, no, said, you, that's, exactly. that's a good enough reason. Yep. I said, did you purchase the Skyward Sword HD remaster? 33% of our fans said, yep, and I love it. And 67% of people said, no interest, which I think lines up. But this I is the game with do. Groose in it. Do they know that? Do they know that the Groose is loose? Ugh. If enough the of them Groose. don't buy it, we're not going to get a Groose amiibo. Yeah. I still don't know how the amiibo we got was not instantly Groose. Why, why was Groose not the obvious choice? The, okay, Groose is so cool that when they had to pick a theme for Groose, they just took the pirate theme from Wind Waker. Yeah. That's how cool Groose is. He has a pompadour. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a thing that I didn't think we were going to discuss. Um, <laughs> did you know this podcast is all is about a- Groose and Cramorant? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you know that there is a Bloodborne PS1 remake being made? Fifty-three uh, percent of people said, <sighs> and forty-seven percent of people went. I hate the show. <laughs> <laughs> I I've this is the first time in sword in Sword Chomp history that the choices have been uh 
not not word based response. I thought you were just gonna slowly do the sounds again and go, this is the first time that the Joseph have ever been <sighs> <laughs> I was trying not to make it sexual. Hopefully I, hopefully that worked. If you, not, you succeeded. <laughs> there was nothing sexy about that. Uh-huh. Uh, that was I was trying to make sure it wasn't. Like how can you make breathing sexy like <laughs> Lord Vader? Hmm. I find your lack of faith disturbing. I'm your father. James Earl Jones. Uh, Then it just sounds like I'm having a hard time eating. Actually, that's what that sounds like. (laughs) Who is your daddy? Huh. And what does he do? Um... But no, I like I was watching some videos on this and it looks really fun and fascinating. So I was curious if um, other people were as interested in it as I was, because I know Bloodborne has such a massive fan base. Um, Looks like. There are a lot of people who are interested in it in our fan base, which is pretty cool to see. It's cool to see that. Um, Oh, dope. Cool. Thanks for telling me that, Josh. I need to I need to check those out. Um, Those two are both mo- good. Oh, wait. oh yeah, yeah. Two more polls. So, I'll, I'll I'll fill in other people. I, w- I was just letting Shay know, okay. but anyway, uh, Raji and Bloodroots just got added to Game Pass, which are are two sort of action games from last year that I enjoy. Bloodroots lets you throw ladders at people. It's fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'll have to see after I finish Ender Lilies and I try and break away from my Pokemon Unite addiction that is about to form. I know, I know. I've got a feeling Pokemon Unite may just kind of supplant every other game that I intended to play for the rest of the year. Which is dope. Not the worst thing in the world. Yep. True or false? You are an idiot if you've never played this game. And it's a picture of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And this was as close to 50-50 as humanly possible. Well, almost as close as humanly possible. We had 112 people vote for true and 111 vote for false. Mm. Wow, so it's congrats, true. idiot. So it's true. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it is, it, 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 yeah, no, that is true, though. Because, like, it's, it's one of those games that is so good that it's good enough that there's, like, kind of this faux backlash, like, Oh no, but the weapon durability, and that's like still one of the best systems in gaming of recent years. Like, it's so good. It is such an outstanding game that. Talk about outdated and antiquated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah, I, joke about that I intend to play it someday. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. The... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 it is, it is worth your time to grab, and at this point, I'd go ahead and grab this, the DLC for it as well, so you get all the so goodness. You, get a motor, you can get yeah. a motorcycle. Yeah, you can get a motorcycle, you get extra bosses, and st- well, they're bosses, but redone with, like, anyway, they're weird. Anyway, the Trials stuff is really cool, too, yeah. I always forget that's DLC. Yeah, the Trials is excellent. That is, it takes such good advantage of that combat system. Yeah, the Trials system the trial is system, essential. They sh- they should have called that expansion Naked and Afraid. <laughs> it's essentially 
there there are a couple areas in the game where you go through and they take everything away from you and you've got to like start from scratch to get something done. The trials are that on crack where you've got to go through just like extreme combat combat challenges where you start with nothing next starting with nothing. Yeah, you just have to keep grabbing everything you can as you go. Mm hmm. And it just it. it, it, Yeah, it 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 makes you. And beating them powers up the Master Sword and makes it more powerful for the end game. Exactly. It it makes you kind of focus on a lot of the nuances of the combat in that game in a really cool way. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I need to I need to make time. That's one of the games I will always say I need to make time and I never do. Um There's the so much poll... time you need to make for that though. I know it's a long ass game. Mm-hmm. Last poll I did was influenced by this uh experience that I had on Tuesday. I was driving home from my junior high school, uh, driving to the station to take the train home. And uh, it's, it was my last day of work before summer vacation. And I'm driving, and I see this, this person stretching um, at the corner uh, of a sidewalk. And Hot. stands up, and it's one of my old uh, students from two years ago. And he was in the special needs class. And I hadn't seen him or talked to him for almost two years. And so I unrolled my window and I, I, I sat there for like a minute and talked with him in English about how um, his high school life is and him running and stuff like that. It was great. It was really nice to talk to him. Um, and I, I, I was driving away and I, I was like, I, f- I felt tears welling my, in my eyes. And I was like, why am I about to cry right now? Like it impacted me so much that I was so happy to see him. Um, he's a fantastic student. Really glad to see him for three, like help him and teach him for three years. And so it inspired this last poll. Are you sentimental, getting sad when you briefly see longtime old friends or feel melancholy when you see an item that contains a special memory? Um, I'm a very sentimental person. I'm extremely sentimental. Um, I, I've saved a ton of items from living here in Japan that have meant a lot to me over the years. And, uh, I wanted to know if I was the only one out there. And 77% of people said, I can't help it. They're sentimental too. And 23% of people said, what are emotions? So, uh, yeah, I like for a while there, it was like a 90, 10. And I was like, good. I'm not, I'm not overly uh, sensitive. Like I thought I was, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see like the human condition, what influences us, influences us. To feel a certain way, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 something that I've gotten more sentimental since becoming a teacher and living in Japan because these people that mean a lot to me and I mean a lot to them come and go out of my life so quickly and it's it's really been that way even as I've gotten older, um, and it's it's nice living in the same city working in the same school for years because then you have random run-ins. Like that same day, there were two students who had graduated four months ago that came to visit the school, and I got to talk with them for a bit as well. And it, those moments are always nice. But um, yeah, being sentimental, not the only one out there. If you are sentimental and you mm-hmm. get sensitive pretty easily, it's a thing. It's a it's a real real thing. So that's gonna wrap up the polls. Um, again, Tuesday, Sword Chomp Instagram. If you want to vote. For us to discuss and have fun with please do um i always get 
private DMs on some of the polls that I do, and it's it's fun to interact with you guys as well. If you guys have any like comments on the polls that I run, it's always fun to talk with you guys. That's gonna wrap up the show. It's a shorter show this week. I I kind of wanted to get us out of here so we can enjoy our break. And um, I thought the show was gonna be a lot longer than it was, but it turns out that um, not quite as long as I thought it was gonna be. But uh, just so you feel quick foolish. Back- <laughs> a few quick back end things. Uh be on the lookout um on the Chomping After Dark feed. Um I'm gonna be editing the Lord of the Rings episode this weekend. Um we did Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, the movie. That's gonna be going up on the Patreon. If you are if you are interested in that, head over to patreon.com where we um we have a ton of benefits and you support the show. You keep the lights on here and you keep us making keep helping us make amazing content. Um, that is the best way you can support us. Um, otherwise you can support us. We have, like I said, the chomping after dark podcast. We have evoking the sublime podcast as well that you can listen to. There are a ton of episodes. Um, if you want more content from us, uh, you can head over to store.storechomp.com. You can order merch and wear it around. Um, I've been wearing my chomping after dark tank top recently. I love that thing so much. Um, if you end up buying anything, send us some pictures. We can um show it off on social media which we love to do um am i forgetting anything else uh the editorial section uh rich has been kind of uh running that with his well our buddy ray mainly rich's buddy because they've known each other for a long time uh they are getting a lot more content up there i just got a bio mutant review finally up there a few days ago uh rich is going to be getting something up there i'm sure for skyward sword i'm going to be getting something up there for ender lilies ray's getting stuff up there as well we got a ton of content flowing over there if you like reading instead of listening, shit's happening. Um, if shit you like to read words, happening. Mm. So check that section out. Like a nerd. Um, and last but not least, you would know. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, um, if all that is just like that's a lot to think about, it's a lot to do. The best thing you can do for us, um, as I said at the beginning of the show, we are so so close to getting ten thousand concurrent subscribers on our podcast sharing the show with anyone you know that likes video games that you think would like to check out the show um please share it with them please share um this episode that's going to be coming out um last week's episode a few weeks ago we want to hit that 10,000 mark we want to say within five years that we were finally able to do that so um please help us out share the ever-loving shit out of this episode we want to hit 10,000, but, uh, that's going to do it. Like I said, next week, we are going to be taking the week off, um, to enjoy our daily lives and enjoy some other stuff. I have an English camp that I'm going to next weekend and it's my birthday weekend. So, (laughs) um, yeah, that's, so there, there is that, um, rich and Josh, Josh is probably going to be preparing for moving next week. Rich, I don't know what you're going to be doing. I imagine eating an edible or something along those lines next weekend. I haven't really had a chance to get to the store, so I'll probably just smoke something. Mm. Smoke them if you got them, which is uh, the motto of 2021. But going anyways, out for crab uh, on Sunday. Does that count as a thing? I'm going to mm. probably get high before that. Eh, it's a that plan. Sounds fun. That's, that sounds like something to do. But no, I want to thank you, Rich, for being here. I want to thank you, Josh, as well, for being here. I was your host, Shay. We will be back in two weeks with another 
freaking amazing episode. It's episode 250. Uh, we're going to be planning out some fun stuff to do for that because that is a monumental point in our history. So don't want to miss that. The hype is going to be real. We are so excited for that. So thank you so much for listening. We love you. Stay safe. Be well. Punch a Nazi. And take care. Get them right behind the job.